Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Earful of Dirt Lineouts. This is your uh, one of the co-hosts, Dan, here with a, a very, very special guest. Um, learning a bit more about South American and specifically Brazilian rugby. Um, here we have Victor from Portal do... I'm sorry, I, I, I'm going to say it incorrectly. My Portuguese is terrible, but Portal do Rugby, is that correct? Yep. Yeah, right. exactly that. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Yeah, Portal do Rugby, it's our major rugby website in Brazil. We founded it in 2009. Since then, we are working a lot to provide Brazilian people uh, rugby information and i hope i can help you guys in the usa to to learn more about brazilian rugby yeah brazilian rugby is is really interesting because i think before the arc um not too many people were really familiar with it and you know usa rugby fans became very familiar in 2016 specifically because <laughs> you know we lost to brazil which we, we still feel bad about um so i think a lot of people are very interested and that's part of the reason i reached out to Vic. The U.S. is always seen as the sleeping giant. It's said in every single article that has to deal with USA Rugby. But Brazil is also seen as sort of a, a sleeping giant of South America. It's a, a football or, or soccer-obsessed country um, with a decent-sized population. So I think that a lot of people figure once the um, once rugby can become popular, they'd love to see you know some of those fast soccer players who have great foot skills just switch over and play rugby. So, as I mentioned, we, we wanted to learn a bit more about South American rugby and specifically Brazilian rugby, which we'll get to a bit later in the show. But right now, um, first things first, just could you tell, Victor, could you, could you tell us a bit more about the, the South American Championship, which is actually starting up on two weeks from now, right? Yeah. Yeah. South American Championship will start on May, May 5th. Uh, we have a different different formula this year it's a one formula that i personally don't like <laughs> because I have six countries playing but there will be only three rounds yeah that's a bit weird in fact uh two groups just inter intergroup matches so we'll only play the teams from the other group and then the best team overall without a final will be crowned the champion uh this year in fact the south american champion ch championship changed because uh, South American Confederation, South America Rugby, they wanted to to provide a different um, different purpose for the, comp the competition. So we already have the, the Americas Rugby Championship as the major uh, competition for us, uh, where the best players of South America will be playing, except Argentina, of course. And and there is a, a demand from Uruguay, in fact, that they wanted to have a, a second, their second team having a better competition, more development competition, in fact, because Uruguay mm -hmm. is a little bit above everybody in the rest of South America now. They have they are a really strong team now. You 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 saw that during the America's Rugby Championship, uh, especially beating Euro, uh, beating Canada. Not so, against the uh, not against the U.S. So I'll I'll definitely brag about that. It was a, a bit of a blowout. Yeah. Which exactly. I was definitely not ex expecting at all, but I just had to throw it in there that the U.S. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's there. And the original idea was 
to have also Chile and Brazil with their development sites. Uh, but we decided to ch to reverse that and and be with our main teams, especially because Brazil Chile match is a is a it's the most important match nowadays for us because uh, very close teams. Uh, it's important for mm -hmm. world ranking, so we decided to to keep that. Mm -hmm. uh, and and we needed to to provide more space, better competition for Paraguay and Colombia. That's uh, a rising nation in, in South American rugby. And if they play, if they play, they can't, they cannot play America's rugby championship now. There will be the America's challenge, a second division, but they're still far from that. So they needed to play more times, uh, Brazil and Chile especially. And the South American second division is not strong enough for them because Peru and Venezuela are some somewhat behind them. So mm -hmm. that's the more or less the scenario. So I, I remember, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's it's a bit tough to find news sources, especially news sources in English, yeah, exactly. outside of maybe America's Rugby News, yeah. which does a great job with that. Um, but the the South American Championship that's coming up on May 5th, that used to be it used to be just four of the best countries in South America, but then basically got rebranded to like the South American six nations. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, then, exactly. so um, it, Uruguay 15, that's their, their yeah. A side or B side, um, Chile, Brazil, Paraguay, Colombia. Oh, who am I missing? And Brazil. Yeah. And Brazil. Yeah, oh. Argentina, Uruguay, <laughs> both their second teams, uh, Brazil, Chile, Paraguay, and Colombia. Uh, South American Championship was born in 1951. It had many different formulas also, but usually Argentina always played with its best team in the amateur mm -hmm. era, uh, and they always, always won. They never lost a Surprising. match in South America. Yeah. Then they decided to play with their second team. The last years we had, we were playing without Argentina at all. They were out of the competition. It was just Brazil, Uruguay, Paraguay, and Chile. And now they change it again. So it's always evolving. It's an always evolving competition. But it has a lot of history. And a history that Argentina always dominates. Uruguay yeah. and Chile always come behind and playing for the second place. Chile had some victories against Uruguay in the past. It's, it's important. To, to say mm -hmm. and Brazil and Paraguay always fighting for the fourth third or fourth place and now we are at the level of Chile but historically Chile is much better than Brazil yep and then now thankfully you you kicked Argentina out of this tournament so you can just sort of <laughs> take it on your own because clearly it's in it's on a completely different level at this point yeah. especially with the the Jaguars or, or Jaguars um coming up and then the um the Americas challenge which you mentioned is a tournament between it's it's basically the the ARC B so it's yeah. it's um the Colombia Paraguay and then Mexico and then was it Trinidad and Tobago or is no, another Guyana. Guyana. Guyana I'm sorry yeah so it's two from South America and two from North America so those are the yeah. two different championships but I know that the the I guess the ARC or the America's Challenge Cup. I never know what to actually call these, so I'm I'm going to use a lot of them interchangeably. But the America's Challenge Cup is actually taking place in August, correct? Yeah. Whereas the, so. the ARC right now is in February. Yeah, uh, February, March, yeah, and August the other one. And now in the middle, the South American Championship. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's an interesting development effect to the America's Challenge. I think it's very important. I, I personally was very concerned about Paraguay and rugby because Paraguay was always a, a strong team. They have a passionate rugby over over there, uh, especially in Asuncion. Um, the, the best colleges, the best schools, in fact, in Paraguay have rugby as uh, Argentine influence. And their problem, of course, Paraguay's problem is money. It's a poor country, a very poor country, in fact. Mm -hmm. And for them, it's very difficult to, to follow the path, of, especially from Brazil. Because Brazil is a big economy. Uh, it's much, much richer than, than Paraguay. So it's very difficult for them to follow our steps. Uh, but they have a, a good junior and amateur rugby. And, well, we were beaten by Paraguay in the under-20s. Month, yeah, 25, 23. It was a bit of a shock because we haven't lost to Paraguay a single match since 2011, and now wow. we they beat they beat us. In fact, for in my opinion, two things: uh, Paraguay, Paraguay is not dead. <laughs> That's the mm -hmm. point. Paraguay is alive. We must remember this. Paraguay is alive, and Brazil is not carrying the way we need to care about our junior rugby. That's a major issue in Brazil. We will talk about this later, I think. But biggest problem for Brazilian rugby is junior rugby. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... That, the that, that's the major thing about Chile and Uruguay. They have strong junior rugby. You can see them playing very well in the in the junior world trophy, the, the, the second division of the under-20s. They play USA and Canada in that competition too. And and gave some really hard time. I think Chile beat Canada recently in the, in the 20s too. So oh, really? it's very difficult, very, well, very difficult for us to follow their steps. Now that's great to see because I've always held the belief that, um, especially if you're a developing country, that youth is really the most important thing you can focus on for long-term growth. I mean, obviously for, for countries like England and Ireland, um, and other tier one nations, it's important, but you know, countries where there aren't that many players, it's best to get them in young so they can actually compete when they're a bit you'll bit older um but i guess moving in from that because there was also the the south american u20s which took place recently the 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 games for the most part i think were available on youtube and did yeah. watch part of the brazil uh paraguay game too but was wasn't what was the format like for that one because that was actually a qualifier for like the world u20s right <laughs> <laughs> and they use it the same format I hate that will be used in it's South just, American. It's just two position. groups. It's two groups of three. Um yeah. and you play all three from the other competition or all three from the other group, but then they just yeah. is it bonus yeah, points exactly. or, or is it Yeah, there's bonus points, yes. Okay. But the well what happens is that uh luckily for the for the organization for the South America uh, Confederation. Uh, Brazil was beaten by by Chile and by Paraguay. So, um, in fact, the, the last match between Uruguay and Chile was the only match between teams that were unbeaten and was virtually the final. So, okay, no problems about that. They they were lucky about the, the this stuff, but yeah, that was the same the same format. Um, also, uh, the only difference is that Argentina wasn't there. Because Argentina was already in the is already in the uh, in the world under 20s championship, the first division, and Venezuela was playing, and Venezuela is really behind everybody. They lost by 100 points their matches. It was mm -hmm. very, very difficult for Venezuelan rugby. In fact, some guys also deserted. Then the Venezuelan rugby federation said they weren't deserting. That was a partnership with a Paraguayan club. Yeah. Okay, 
let's let's <laughs> they were protecting the the guys and yeah it, what was the their opportunity to live in Isuila yeah, we it's need to a, understand and, and they try the life now in Paraguay. So, but it was very difficult for them because they were really behind in terms in level of playing level from the, the rest of the competition. Yeah. yeah I, I followed a, a bit of the scores because my personal interest in South American rugby is that my girlfriend is actually from Colombia. So yeah. I never followed it before. Um, I started at least looking on, on Twitter and stuff like that and following media. Uh, in fact, I actually mentioned to her and she didn't even realize that Columbia had a national team. That's, that tends, that sounds like that's sort of a, a, a normal response to a lot of people in South America. Yeah. Los Tucanes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know the name in English for the death birds. We have lots of Tucanes. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's the same thing. Same exact thing. It's very easy for me to say. So I appreciate that, that they, they took me into consideration. Um, but even watching that, the, the Colombian and I think Paraguay U20s teams both just got completely smashed by all their yeah. the opposition. I think um, Uruguay beat Colombia like 99 to 5, and then yeah. Paraguay lost to, I'm sorry, no. Um, Venezuela, that that they were in the U twenties. They lost like hundred twenty five to five or something like that. It was, it was very bad. But I know U twenties may be a bit tough in some countries, especially. I mean, it's it's tough in the U S. We usually just get high school football players and yeah. host them for a camp. So that's something that you know, depending on the country, it might be easier. I know Uruguay, yeah, um, is a bit um, smaller. They have a, yeah, they have a strong tradition in Paraguay and Chile uh, of. That's the same thing in Argentina. In fact, that that's the same culture of having uh, rugby in schools, and their schools have playing fields that can mm-hmm. support those teams. So it's very very common and uh, over there to have to have strong junior teams. That's basically the same thing in Argentina, and that's the difference from Brazil. Um, Brazilian schools don't have playing fields with grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very unusual, very unusual, sadly. Um, our sports our areas in, inside the schools are always indoors. So, uh, which, which in fact, I think it uh, helps the Brazilians to be skillful in soccer, for example, because we play mm-hmm. soccer, indoor soccer, when we are kids, and this develops the skills. But uh, of course, for, for rugby, it doesn't work. Uh, in the recent, in last years, we had um, major developments in tag rugby and touch rugby in schools. But one thing is to play a tag rugby inside the school. Other thing is to play full contact rugby. And the problem is that the problem is the transition from from players. They start playing tag rugby in schools. There's lots of schools now with tag rugby developments. It's very interesting. In fact, um, I I have a work as a, a PR for a organization a non governmental organization that uh, teaches uh, tag rugby in in state schools in, in Brazil uh, poor kids and they they learn they love they love to to know a different game they're really passionate about that it's very interesting and some of them are already going to the clubs the problem is that our rugby clubs uh, don't have the structure to to absorb to incorporate those all those kids and to deal with uh, to to build a, a proper junior team, yeah. so the major the, our major challenge in Brazil is our clubs being able to to create to create under twenties uh, rugby, and that's the major difference from Uruguay and, and Chile. 
Okay. Their their clubs can do that. Their in fact their clubs have structure because most Uruguayan and, and Chilean clubs they have they are on fields they own fields um, because they did that many decades ago when it was possible and Brazilian rugby only de really developed developed from the 1980s more or less and it was already difficult to find and to get. Uh, the areas, the clubs, amateur clubs to buy space in the cities to have their own clubs. Um, you know, rugby is, in, yeah, rugby is in Brazil since the late 19th century, but it really took a, it was really a slow development. And, and now we are paying for that, in, in fact. Um, and our clubs struggle to, to find a, a field and to develop junior rugby. That's the major difference. But to but in the last years, rugby boomed in Brazil. Um, there is some, there is some, lots of sponsors for the Brazilian national team. So the high performance stage, the high performance level of Brazilian rugby really improved, and that's why Brazil is able even to beat once. It was once. I don't know if we beat you again, <laughs> soon, but we could uh, manage to beat USA because our high performance uh, program is is very strong. Because we have money for that now in the top of the par the pyramid, the problem is the base of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. So, how about the um, what about the women's 15s in South America as a whole? Um, I haven't really heard exist. it doesn't exist. I was going to say I haven't heard much about it, but I guess that no, sort of answers it, my question. It's basically, South America is the only continent that had never had a single national team playing the the 15s World Cup, women's World Cup, never. Um, there Even are Argentina. No, nothing. Wow. Well, in fact, Argentina, Colombia, and Brazil started some work with uh, 15 side. Women's 15 side. I know Colombia has some domestic matches of 15 side, and mm -hmm. Argentina too. Brazil, no. We had one year we could manage to have a, a competition. Uh, uh, São Paulo's championship for for women's 15s was like three rounds, mm -hmm. and we are trying to do that again this year. But it's very difficult. What happens is that South American women's rugby um, started as a seven-a-side thing, and and really improved and really grow, have, has grown uh, because of Olympic money in every country, not not yeah. only Brazil, every country, because the, every, everybody wants to 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 see the national team in, in the Olympics and put money in the, on that uh, this stuff. So basically, women's uh, the clubs started to to focus on women's seven sides and the fact that with these i think they they lost um their capability to to get larger squads we have so many club, women's clubs in brazil there's a lot of teams in brazil our women's competition seven side we have many teams uh, it's not a problem of number of girls playing the problem is that they each team has few women playing and that's the problem. If they could join, the, the main, I think the possibility to have uh, 15 aside uh, is to have uh, regional teams, regional representative teams. That could work. And that's what maybe we can we can uh, work in the future. Yeah, that's something too. With, with people a lot of times see sevens as a pathway for countries that are not really familiar with the sport so that they can at least start with something. Sevens is a lot simpler too. And then once you can actually get the numbers, you can grow up to that. But speaking of sevens, the the women's sevens though, how how exactly is that? Because I'm a bit familiar with Colombia. I think they've had actually had 
um, quite success with the the women's sevens team. Um, yeah. But what about sevens in South yeah. America? Well, uh, Brazil is by far the best team in women's rugby in South America by far. Uh, it's we have it, we are the Argentina of men's rugby. We are in women's rugby. We never lost a single match in a South American championship. Uh, we have thirteen championships, thirteen titles in a row, unbeaten all of them. We rarely Brazil rarely concedes a try uh, a, a try in a match. We almost never. Wow. <laughs> our defenses, yes, it's fabulous. in sevens. That's tough. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit ridiculous. In fact, we we see South American championships with Brazil beating everybody without conceding points. It's very normal. Um, but Colombia is the second strong, strongest team. Uh, Argentina is a bit of a disappointment. In fact, um, Argentine Argentine clubs uh, have a, a culture that's. Well, that's a shame for me, in my opinion. Uh, that they think rugby is for men. Point. Yeah. Period. That's the point. And the girls play just field hockey. Field hockey is massive in Argentina for for girls. And the, their women's rugby is basically a non-traditional clubs, uh, peripheral clubs that are not strong in, in men's rugby have um, women's rugby. And they are they have a real serious problems when they play Brazil because they clearly um, can't handle psychologically the fact that we always beat them. Uh, even if if the Argentina Rugby Union is investing in their national team, they they are giving them structure and giving professional high performance um, environment, but they are still far uh, from Brazil. Colombia is the one that is improving, and they beat us. In the under under 18s, uh, women's South American Championship that, this yeah. year in in Brazil it was the first time a Brazilian women's national team lost a match in, in South America, and we are really concerned about that that because Colombian team was really good. Yeah. Uh, I think Colombia is doing a great job in junior rugby. Their they, their priority is junior rugby. And and we can see this clearly with women's rugby. I think Brazil needs to be concerned that in the next five years, Colombia will rise and play uh, at the same level of Brazil. We need to be Brazil needs to be to be care careful about that. Yeah. And Brazilian problem is that again, junior rugby, uh, junior women's rugby, is not well developed in Brazil. So we have a very strong high performance program, but we don't have a strong uh, junior competitions for women, so that's yeah. a problem. And the the Junior Olympics are actually taking place in Argentina, right? Yeah. In, in, in next this Olympics. year, or is that new, this year? Yeah, October. Yeah, October. Yeah, so that that would definitely help a bit with with the sevens down there. Um, how about the men's sevens teams? How how have those been? Because I know at least when I read, and you may actually probably know this article. It's an Economist article from a couple of years back, and it was one of the few yeah. I could actually find on uh, Brazilian rugby. And said how at least at the time in 2016 Brazil made the Olympics, but they were also last because um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. But of course they're the host, so they they have to be in the Olympics. So how was just overall the men's sevens in South well, America? Um, yeah, well, just uh, another thing about the women's sevens. Uh, Brazil was among the the eleven best teams in the world until two years ago. So we, 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 we actually won, we, we actually won matches during the Olympics. So, uh -huh. uh, our women's team was, is good uh, internationally. The problem is that once we were relegated from the world series, we couldn't return this year. 
Yeah, we're mm-hmm. being beaten by China. Yeah. Was a real disappointment because Brazil can play with the best teams in women's in the world now in the in the senior competitions. Um, about men's uh, sevens, well, most, the biggest problem in South America is the is the calendar. I think I think every in every continent teams that aren't in the in sevens World series have small calendars. And that's the major issue. I know the the guys are talking about the Pan American Seven Series. We don't know if it will took off, will take off this year. Uh, I hope so because it will really help Brazil playing USA, playing Canada, playing Argentina more times. It will be uh, really important. Uruguay and Chile are still a little bit better than Brazil in Sevens in mm-hmm. Sevens. Um, mostly because, well, Uruguay is better overall, so they're still better than Brazil. But the difference is really small. Brazil can beat Uruguay in some matches. And, well, it, it was completely open. Brazil and Uruguay matches a completely open result. Anyone can can win. Um, the, only, the only difference is that Chile is investing more in sevens. So Chile now... I think is is focusing on sevens rather than in fifteens. That's why Brazil is better than Chile in fifteens. But now Chile is better than Brazil in sevens. Uh, it's their option. I think Chile. I think Chile is right about that because Chile is a s- smaller than Brazil. Their rugby clearly has less money, and Chile is not a country that has many Olympic medals or many Olympic uh, teams playing in in, in Olympics. So. It's a it's a good thing. If Chile can manage to be in the Olympics in, in rugby, it will probably be their only team sport. Maybe soccer too, but uh, that's it. So it, it's it's intelligent from from Chile to do that. And same thing for Uruguay, in fact, because Uruguay will always play only soccer in the Olympics, yeah. nothing else. And that's so a very it's small different country. Yeah, it's different from Brazil. Brazil always play volleyball. We usually play basketball, but nowadays our national team is not helping. But yeah, and team handball, we are always in the Olympics. So for Brazil, for Argentina, it's not the it's not a life or death situation to to have rugby in the Olympics. But for for Uruguay and Chile, it is it is important, really important. Um, and that's it. I, I think the most biggest problem in South America about seven aside is to have more competitions. And clearly, the focus in Brazil is 15 side, not 7 side. Mm-hmm. Brazilian Rugby Union makes this clear. Their fo- they know uh, we have a very small chance to be in the Olympics because uh, Argentina probably will get the South American place. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a fact. So, and they are really foc- focusing on the 15s because we can dream more realistically to be in the World Cup. And... And this we can see in our club rugby. Seven aside club rugby in Brazil is really poor. Uh, it's it, year after year, it's getting worse. In fact, we have yeah. like a, one or two competitions in the end of the year, and that's it. And clubs are as as our 15 aside competitions are getting bigger. Uh, clubs that are amateur, all clubs in Brazil are amateur. They they are really tired at the end of the season to care about sevens. And that's a problem. It's a big problem. We need to rethink this in Brazil. How we want to do uh, men's seven side? That's that's simple. Yeah, and there there were I know there there were two I guess developmental kind of sevens tournaments. There's the the Punta de Aleste in yeah. Uruguay. Yeah, and then there was Vinha de, Vinha de Omar. 
But then sure. there was also um, the idea that there there was going to be that um, seven circuit for South America. Is, do you think yeah. that that's a reality that's going to really come yeah. through? Or no, in fact, both Punta and Vinha are together the South American circuit. Okay. Uh, what we what uh, they are planning is to have a, a Pan American series uh, with Brazil, Chile, Uruguay playing one or two tournaments in North America. But I don't know how it will work. In fact. Uh, I heard that maybe Mexico wants to host a competition. I think they have the, something in Cancun, or maybe USA wants to host something. I don't That'd know. That'd be fun. I really don't know. <laughs> I, I would. I would very much enjoy going to Cancun to watch some seventh rugby. Yeah, you tell me if it's nice because it's a bit far from us, but for you, it's a, it's more accessible. I think. I can tell you, there's there's a lot of planes going from New York City to Cancun. I can very imagine. Much. <laughs> <laughs> um. So actually kind of talking about that too, um, shifting back to 15s, um, the future South American League. So I think a couple months ago, it was actually announced that there was this idea that there'd be a a South American pro league um, coming up. I don't know exactly when the expected date is, but what can you tell us about that? Well, the rumors I know (laughs) from inside here, well, um, South American League, they want to go South American League to provide Brazil, Uruguay, and Chile. And they are talking about Paraguay and Colombia, which I think is which I think is very weird because I didn't realize they could manage professional rugby right now. I'm really curious to know if Paraguay and Colombia will made it and will be able to, to manage professional rugby. But Brazil, Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay, and Chile are look like to be mm-hmm. closer because we play America's rugby championship. And um, we need the, the fact is um there's a lot of discussion in Brazil, in fact, about how uh, Brazilian Rugby Union wants to to deal with Brazilian clubs and to put in them the responsibility to do high-performance rugby is really tough for them. Mm-hmm. They can't manage that properly. Uh, the Brazilian Rugby Union has a, a high-performance academies. You have two high-performance academies plus three high-performance uh, high development academies. The difference is that the high, two high-performance academies that are in Sao Paulo Sao Paulo City and San Jose Campus. San Jose is a city 100 kilometers from Sao Paulo. It's like a capital of Brazilian rugby. Also, two of the best teams are, are located in, in that region. It's a very, very uh, rich area. In fact, uh, we, where is located, uh, I don't know, it's uh, Embraer Company, the build, uh, plane, airplanes build, builder, and many high, high technology com- com- companies are there. Um, San Jose and Sao Paulo are the two high-performance academies, and and the others that are directly managed by the Brazilian Rugby Union. The others are indirectly managed by them. They they train the the coaches to to work in with their with their uh, parameters, right? With their methodology, but not directly managed by the Brazilian Rugby Union. Yeah, it's a little bit different, uh, but yeah. We, our problem is that our best players are now professional players, in fact, because the Brazilian Rugby Union pays them. Um, and they train every day, every single day in the high-performance academies or in the development academies. And there is, it, it, they are creating uh, some, we can say, a, a gap between the average club rugby player from the high-performance player. So the idea of the South American League is to, to put these guys in a proper franchise, uh, split a little bit better amateur rugby from mm-hmm. 
professional rugby. Now we have it is completely mixed in Brazil, in Uruguay, in Chile. Yeah, Argentina can handle this a little bit better, but Brazil, Uruguay, and Chile need uh, a professional level. Uh, what I know about this is that they want to do the competition in, 20, in 2019, yeah. 2019, but uh, there is the World Cup. Uh, so probably it will just kick off in 2020. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. Let's see. Let's follow the news. Yeah. It's all rumors uh, at this point, really. Yeah, it's all rumors at this point. I don't know. They are talking about two teams, two franchises in Brazil, two franchises in Uruguay, one in Chile. So let's see. Um, the two franchises in Brazil would be in Sao Paulo and, and Curitiba. Curitiba is an important city for Brazilian rugby too. Um, in Uruguay, they want to do a link with their major football clubs, football soccer yeah. soccer clubs, Penharo and Nacional, that are the Uruguay giants of soccer. And they want to do some kind of, of partnership. Let's see. Um, well, uh, the rumor I know is that their idea is to have the competition uh, play it at the same time of the Major League Rugby and perhaps starting in fact in March. And with this, there is a possibility for them to change the America's Rugby Championship to the second semester. I don't know because there is a problem for North America to have things during the, the football season. So yeah. Yeah, let's see. I know. Let's wait. We've talked a lot about that um, online and everything through blogs and all that stuff. We're basically... It's tough to do it at that time because there are so many other sports kicking off. American football, especially, that's when baseball yeah. is becoming more popular. I mean, that's part of the issue with having so many sports in the U.S. is that at, at almost any given point, there's going to be something big going on. So February makes perfect sense, at least marketing-wise. Um, it makes it a bit easier also to get um, space available. But but that's actually something that I know a lot of Americans are very excited about is the idea of like a uh, like a Champions Cup or, or a Challenge Cup or some sort of North America versus South America, MLR versus, you know, people from South America, winner take all, you know, something like that. I think that's something that's really exciting. Yeah, uh, I think too. And I'm really uh, curious about the, Argent the, the, Argent the Argentine franchises because mm -hmm. we know Argentina needs to create a, a second level, second professional level uh, to provide players for the Jaguars. So it would be really interesting to see two or three Argentine franchises in the South American Professional League. Uh, and for you in, in North America, uh, you have the Major League Rugby cha champions playing an, a strong Argentine team, yeah. probably. I'm, I'm saying Argentine team because I we'll believe go. they will win everything, <laughs> at least we'll in the Brazil. beginning. So. No, we'll, we'll play Brazil, yeah, definitely, first year. Argentina, Argentina will, will, will probably win. So I heard... I heard with this league that, that when it does kick off, the idea is that um, obviously Argentina has the most amount of uh, skilled players for now. Um, so they will be sort of, you know, going to Chile, Brazil, and Uruguay. Um, do you, did you ever hear anything about trying to make sure that yeah. at least for Brazil, it's mostly Brazilians, but bringing in people when you need to? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that there is a strong possibility that Argentina will provide some players for mm -hmm. other countries. And also, they, I heard they are trying to get some Pacific players, Fijians and Samoans and Tongans. Let's really? see. It would be really interesting because we basically don't have any Fijian, Samoan, Tongan community in Brazil. So yeah. we don't have their players around here in our club rugby. We have some Argentines playing, but Argentines that live in Brazil and, and playing rugby here. Yeah. Uh, we have some Kiwis, we have some South Africans. We but speak the same right. language too. 
Yeah, but but, but PGs we don't have. I would be really curious to see them here I would, in our field. I would love to see that. I think that Fijians and, and Pacific Islanders would really love a lot of South American culture, especially in some of the warmer climates near the beach. Um, I, I don't know exactly the, the, the climate of, of Sao Paulo, but I think like Rio or even in <laughs> northern That's Colombia. They love. Yeah, that said things that I told you, Sao Paulo and Curitiba will probably be the the hosts of the Brazilian franchises and two cities without beaches. <laughs> <laughs> Both cities are not in the coast. But, right. yeah. Would be a bit tough but for them. Can, yeah, but one hour, one hour driving, you can reach the beach, a nice beach. One, two yeah. hours driving, you can go to the beach. So no problems. <laughs> yeah. But that, that'd be interesting to see too, because I think that um, overall there is a, um, a, a, because a dearth of talent. Same thing with North America too, because we're getting to the point now where uh, we have seven teams in MLR and there are um, at least two more in the U.S. joining next year. Uh, New York City definitely confirmed, and I think I just heard over this past weekend that Dallas is also confirmed. So some people have fear that within a year or two um, that the talent might really start wearing thin and you have to bring in more people from overseas. Right now we have a cap of, of five foreign players for the game day roster. Um, but who knows what that would do in the next three or four years if we just branch out and have too many teams. Uh, everybody is really interested here in South America about the Major League Rugby. Uh, because, well, it's the growth of our continent. I think it's very the most positive thing about the America's Rugby Championship is that finally we put everybody together in, mm-hmm. in the Americas. So yeah. we are finally having uh, a really important... Uh, connection between USA, Canada, Brazil, Uruguay, Chile. We are knowing better each other, and this will help uh, the development of rugby in the whole continent. That's really important. I know uh, for USA and Canada, in the past, it was really important for you to play uh, the Pacific Nations Cup, for example, yeah. to face Japan, to face Fiji, Samoa Tonga. I, f- I really think you you should still try to to manage somehow to find the space in the calendar to to play play them too but uh but to look at the, the uh, to look at them their whole americas is is really important for everybody and you have a lot a lot to, to profit with the connection with the argentina argentina is is our reference in the whole continent so. yeah i think it'd be great too for argentina to have more competition locally too so it's not just the fact that they'll have their own competition but the fact that if they do have test matches they don't have to travel to europe or travel to um you know, South Africa, New Zealand, yeah. Australia. Just to- I, I don't know. I don't know if the if the American people uh, know about uh, the history of of Argentina rugby, but or the situation of Argentina rugby. But Argentina, uh, but rugby in Argentina is really, really big. Mm-hmm. They have thousands, thousands, no, but hundreds <laughs> of clubs uh, of really strong clubs. Mm-hmm. Like Buenos Aires have more than eighty clubs. Yeah, which is it's, it's a really. I, I, I heard a lot and learned a lot recently that it's a very strong club culture and very, very strong. big emphasis on specifically club culture. Yeah. Like they'll they'll work Monday through Friday, but they're really literally working yeah. for the weekend. And they forbid professionalism in the mm-hmm. the clubs. They are the last great bastion of amateurism in yeah. in rugby, and they really take this very, very seriously. In fact, but Argentina is Argentina is has always been in fact. A Taiwan nation. Mm-hmm. The the only difference from them to 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 the Six Nations 
to the Six Nations in, in Europe or to New Zealand, South Africa and Australia, is that Argentina was lo always left um, alone. No. They, they had very... Um, they had less opportunities to play against those nations, even though they played a lot of tests in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s. But they were, they, I think, rugby, rugby's world lost uh, the potential of, of Argentina for some decades. And now with professionals, where they discovered in Europe, in, in Oceania, they discovered how Argentina has always been really uh, a really great rugby nation, in fact. Yeah. So, Which is very curious why Argentina is so great in rugby and Brazil never uh, <laughs> had uh, a rugby. Rugby was a really minor sport. Like when I started playing rugby in 2006, I had in the whole Brazil 50 clubs uh, yeah. and like uh, 2,000 players, not more than that. Mm -hmm. I know that in the in the 90s, we had like a thousand players, which is nothing, and 20 yeah. clubs. Yeah, Spike well, there's there, there's many things to to talk about. I I actually uh, did a master's research about the origins of rugby in Brazil, and I have many theories about uh, why uh, rugby was so late development in Brazil. But the fact is, Argentina is had always been uh, really close to to the British world. Mm -hmm. At least they are they are upper classes and their schools. The upper class schools were really close and inspired by 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 the British school system and, and etc., which had never happened in Brazil. Uh, we usually are, have other influences, uh, and Argentina has a strong British influence. So this helped in the early 20th century them to to start taking seriously rugby and grow from the British community to the the Spanish speaking upper classes and then now to everybody so that's basically how it works with every single country that started playing rugby it started off with uh except for the home nations obviously but basically british bankers and oil uh yeah. workers everything like that they came over they brought rugby it came to the private schools and depending on how the country went either became really popular or just stayed in upper classes for the most part yeah it's interesting that the british took take, took the took rugby to brazil uh, it was basically in sao paulo Bankers and, and engineers. The British built uh, the the railways in São Paulo, so uh, they started playing soccer here. Mm -hmm. And the same guy that was a, a Brazilian-born uh, British guy, his family was British. He he was born in São Paulo, went to to Britain to to study, and returned to Brazil. He is considered like the the mythical father of Brazilian soccer, yeah. and. He also played rugby in Brazil. He, he, was, always, he was also the, the first guy to develop rugby in Brazil. But he just changed it and, and, and only focused on soccer. Oh. And rugby only started uh, restarted in Brazil without him in the 20s with other British guys that were here as commercial uh, representatives from, from British companies and etc. And, and they started rugby here. But it really was re a really slow process to for them to start developing rugby with Brazilians, and in, in this only started more in the 60s and 70s, and only in the 80s we really had a Brazilian national team made of Brazilians without British uh, heritage. So yeah. 
it, it was really a slow process here. Uh, just just uh, saying, uh, many Argentines also uh, helped Brazilian rugby in this 70s, 80s, uh, and till nowadays too. I was going to say that the, basically this guy could have been the William Webb Ellis of Brazil, but he decided, no, I'm not going to go with rugby. I'm, I'm going to go soccer instead. Yeah, and exactly. basically built the one of the biggest powerhouses in, in soccer in all of history. <laughs> Charles, Charles Miller is his name. It's interesting, interesting story. And well, but I don't consider him the father of Brazilian rugby because he played like a couple of years here and then stopped it. And then the guys in the 20s really started rugby in Brazil. And really and other, other guys. Yeah. yeah. So how exactly does the, the whole Brazilian club rugby system work? And especially keeping in mind the whole history that you just kind of shared right there. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting, very important to know about Brazilian sports in general. In fact, um, Brazil uh, has a strong tradition. It's a very big country, long distances between main cities. It's exactly like USA. Um, all sports in Brazil started as state-based uh, competitions. Like, uh, in, like even soccer until the the fifties, we only had. Uh, state competition, state championships. Each state had its own professional competition. And we only were able to make a uh, proper national competition in the 50s, but was really, really national in the 70s, even in soccer, because of the of, of the distance inside Brazil, of course. Um, and rugby is the same thing. But the fact is that Sao Paulo is, have always been the heart of Brazilian rugby. So until the 80s, um, Brazilian rugby had like a, uh, like a 80, 90% of the clubs were based in Sao Paulo. Um, uh, in Sao Paulo City, in fact, not all, not the whole states of Sao Paulo. So the, make a difference. Sao Paulo yeah. City is one thing, Sao Paulo State is another thing. Exactly like New York City and New York State. New York, yeah. New York. Yeah. Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo is the same thing. People sometimes make the confusion, but different things yeah um and and rugby had also a couple of clubs in rio de janeiro uh, much less developed than, than sao paulo in fact that's that's interesting rugby was slower in rio to to be played by brazilians it was more related to to the british and sao paulo was the first one to to start spreading rugby uh for brazilians and Curitiba was the first team outside Brazil, uh, outside São Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, to have a club in the 80s. In the 90s, we had clubs in other states. Uh, Santa Catarina had a club there, Minas Gerais. But only in the, in the 2000s, most of the Brazilian states uh, created rugby clubs. So it was basically a history of uh, São Paulo-centered sport. Yeah, with Rio de Janeiro, Rio de Janeiro with its its part. In, in, in rugby, but was mostly basically Sao Paulo. And that's very difficult for, for other states nowadays because Sao Paulo had a, a hegemony and power over, over Brazilian rugby. Um, now we have uh, six states that, are, that have their state unions um, affiliated to the Brazilian rugby union. It is basically the six richest states, all of them based in the Southern Brazil. Southeast and South, which is Rio, São Paulo, Minas, uh, Paraná, Santa Catarina, Rio Grande do Sul, and others. But we have rugby in all Brazilian states. All Brazilian states have rugby. The problem is that other states 
in Northeast Brazil, in Northern Brazil, in the Amazon region, in Central Brazil, they are very few. So each state have like three or two or four clubs, not more than this. And they are still in the early stages of creating their unions. It's very difficult for them to work. That's something that many people, me included, uh, I have this, I criticize Brazilian Rugby Union for that. I think they should take a more active uh, action in helping those states uh, organizing their own rugby unions and our competitions. But this is another topic. It's a very hot topic in Brazilian rugby, in fact. But even the six major states, the six richest states, they they have problems because Sao Paulo and Rio Grande do Sul uh, now have unions that are well organized and we have st strong local competitions. The other states still are working on, the, they are usually uh, dominated by one club that was the, the original first club in, in the States and the others are really behind and the union is still really amateur. So we are working in the early stages in, in Rio, in Minas, in Paraná, in Santa Catarina. So it's, it's a very difficult situation. Um, the national competition, the national championship, uh, is based, well, we, we split the calendar in two. First semester, state competitions, state championships. Second semester, national championship. There are two divisions, national championship. The top division uh, is called the Super 8, that will be now be expanded to Super 16. From 8 to 16 clubs. The, the reason is that the when we had the Super 8, uh, we had the, really the strongest clubs in Brazil. Uh, I see a, a important gap from these eight, nine best clubs from the others. Uh, that will be a, a, an issue for the Super 16 for me. We will have large scores, I think. Um, but the problem is that from, for, for example, uh, one of the clubs, the, the best club from Rio Grande do Sul, is far a thousand and something kilometers from Sao Paulo, for example. So the Brazilian Rugby Union paid uh, air travels for more than eight, 800 kilometers. But you know, 800 kilometers was uh, matches were made by bus. Clubs traveled 800, eight fucking hundred kilometers by bus. <laughs> 700 kilometers, 600 kilometers by bus. Uh, and this was really... Well, players were tired about this, of course. And now they decided to do a Super 16, but the regional groups. So we'll have more uh, split uh, regionally uh, conferences, groups, to help uh, making smaller travels. Uh, but we'll have smaller travels, shorter travels, but uh, probably bigger differences between the clubs. That's that's the issue we were we will see this year. And the second division is the same thing, is regional based. So each group is, is from one region. Uh, Tasa Tupi, it's called the Tupi Trophy. Tupi is the name of Brazilian national team. So, and and the, the teams that play Tasa Tupi will be qualified from their their state competitions. So basically, that's it. State competitions in first semester, national competitions in second semester, and. We are trying new things this year, trying to see if we can uh, help clubs to travel less, play more, but sh make the differences between clubs a little bit shorter. Uh, that will be uh, our issue now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I also actually just looked this up because my kilometers to miles 
comparison is absolutely horrible oh um, sorry yeah <laughs> I no, that. <laughs> that's how you work it's that's how it is uh we're america we like to do things a bit differently here so um 800 kilometers is about 500 miles and the distance from new york city to washington dc is i think like 250 miles um so almost or pretty much double the distance between new york to dc is, is the kind of travel that I had to make by bus yeah my bus. i've made I've made the trip by bus from New York to DC and by far I, I hate it more than almost anything else in the world yeah. right now. <laughs> but, even, yeah. but even eight competitions like Sao Paulo competition, for example, the first division, uh, we have eight clubs in Sao Paulo's top division. Mm-hmm. One of the clubs from last year that were in fact relegated to the second division this year, uh, well, uh, they, San Carlos, they traveled like uh, 250 kilometers which is in miles, I don't know, <laughs> 100 um, and something miles. Yeah. So by bus. And in an amateur state competition, uh, Minas Gerais is a very big state. They, ha- they have now decided to, because they are two main clubs, one based in Belo Horizonte, the other one based in Uberlândia. Um, they were distant 600 kilometers and in the same state. And now they decided to, they're, own state championship to be split in uh, in two or three conferences because they need this. It's very far from clubs to, to travel around. That's a, that's a difficult thing. And I would say Brazilian Brazilian roads, São Paulo roads are are good. A bit expensive to to travel because of the I don't know the name in English now. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> when you pay for the tolls. The, the tolls, yes. Yeah. Um, but. Like other states, like Minas Gerais, for example, or even Rio Grande do Sul. I, I was in Rio Grande do Sul uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and I traveled uh, five, 400 kilometers there to to visit uh, uh, family there, in fact. And I watched the rugby match there uh, of their local competition, and one of the teams traveled like six hours, so yeah. <laughs> by bus. It was really complicated too. So, yeah, yeah and that's the thing. We, we, U.S. obviously has the the interstate highway system that was built yeah. 60, 70 years ago, which is just every time I go in, it's just impressive to actually see that someone was able to actually design that. But that's something that um, that's sort of built into American culture too, like the whole idea of a road trip cross country. That's just something people yeah. do. Um, and Brazil Brazilian highways are not that good. I tell you, not good. <laughs> I, I believe some you. are good. But some are, are are really not good. So not good. In fact, not, not the problem that they are they are dangerous or something. That's not the case. They're not exactly dangerous. But you cannot do a, a really high speed. That's yeah. The problem. Yeah, I've been on uh, Colombian highways too. It's it's um and some sometimes it's just a single lane highway. So yeah. if there's no traffic, the then it's perfectly fine. But there's a very good chance that there's going to be traffic because it's it's yeah. the main road be connecting these two major cities. Yeah. Um. So That's the I case. guess with that too, have, have there, has there been a lot of growth of um, clubs that you've seen, especially since Brazil hosted the Olympics? I know obviously there have been tons of sports in the Olympics, but rugby was first introduced and a lot of people always mention Rio as a result. So have you seen in these states more clubs popping up and sort of helping make it easier for some people to, to travel? No, yeah. Clubs in Brazil uh, boomers. Mm-hmm. In, in last years, so I, I will say, in fact, the boom was not related to the Olympics. It was related to the fact that the Rugby World Cup is broadcasted to Brazil. <laughs> it's it's interesting. It's an interesting theory. In fact, ESPN Brazil uh, shows Rugby World Cup since tw- 2003, 
Uh, we can uh, 2003 they just show showed a, a couple of matches, but to, 2007 they showed all matches at live. So we could see that we could see the number of clubs doubling in 2007 again into in 2011. People really enjoy watching rugby and started to to, to follow rugby. And of course, the Olympics helped a lot because the free to air TV started to do some reports about rugby, which they never did before because it's it's an Olympic sport that will uh, kick off in Brazil for the first time in the case of sevens. And so it really helped in the awareness of rugby in Brazil and really helped it. But the major thing about the Olympics, I think it's not exactly the number of players. The number of players I think would grow because rugby is more watched in Brazil nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, just like American football, for example, American football is really big in Brazil nowadays. I don't know if you know that. I did not know yeah. that, no. ESPN really has great ratings showing NFL in Brazil. And probably Brazil, I think, is one of the top five markets for NFL nowadays. So wow. people really like. And the number of American football clubs in Brazil is almost the same of rugby clubs in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It, and there, there is a, a, a some kind of rivalry between them nowadays. Yeah. People from rugby people a little bit annoyed with American football people because we are struggling for the same space sometimes. But yeah. also some people like both, and, and, and that's common. Um, but but uh, the Olympics helped a lot in, in money, mm-hmm. so government money. Uh, the Brazilian government uh, has uh, developed a law, uh, created a law that allows companies to change uh, a percentage of their taxes uh, to, to put this money in, in projects they, they believe. So they can destine a small percentage for culture, cinema, theater, museums, or etc., and a small percentage for sports. Um, and this 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 stuff really helped a lot Brazilian rugby because we we started to see clubs being able to draw some money for to develop themselves because. Uh, some guys in the club have a company and then they decided to put their taxes in their club to help their club growing. So it it really helps. And we also saw some municipalities, uh, I don't know, it's a bit different Brazilian political system from the American system, but it's basically the, I think the counties maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Putting money in, in social projects usually. Uh, not exactly in, in the senior clubs, but uh, the club ca- uh, wants to to develop rugby in a in a poor community. There is money for that mm-hmm. to ha- to do tag rugby, for example. And so st- things started to get better because of the, of the of this law that allows companies to put money, and because of course the government also has money is, is putting money was putting money in fact in the in, in the national teams. So Brazilian Rugby Union receives money from the Olympic Committee and from the Sports Ministry. And it will be shorter now. There has been cuts, we know. Several cuts, in fact, uh, from the government to sports. Uh, Now the Olympics are gone. But there is still money from the the Ministry and the Olympic Committee. And and the Brazilian Rugby Union 
can have some public projects that they do the same thing. They can uh, ask big companies to put their taxes money in the national team. So this all also helps. That's that's basically what's happening. But you are also see seeing now companies uh, putting money in Brazilian national team because they want to do marketing. Well, Brazilian national team is shown in TV now. ESPN shows Brazilian national team matches. Sport TV, that is another important sports television in Brazil, also shows national team and one once we could put the the two piece plane uh, on free to air tv once once another time let's see let's play the chili in free to air tv once so yeah uh, right and and another big difference is that brazilian rugby union is considered a clean uh, organization uh, most brazilian sports are well, it's Brazil, so they <laughs> they are known as corrupt uh, organizations. Yeah. So, well, I can tell you the tale of Brazilian basketball that went down because it's the dirtiest of the dirtiest uh, federations in Brazil is the basketball that really? destroyed the Brazilian basketball that once was good, that once was world champions even, uh, twice, and now basketball really struggled because the Brazilian Basketball Federation was really corrupt. So Brazilian Rugby Union is not corrupt. So they are gaining the trust of the market. So you got that going for you. That's very nice to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, not corrupt. Um, but yeah, that, that actually was, um, even in the US too, that's one of the biggest things is the fact that because it's an Olympic sport now, the Olympic committees are able to give more money. And even if it goes directly towards sevens, it just, it gets people out there familiar with rugby because um, obviously the clubs are not, you know, sevens clubs, they're fifteens clubs that play sevens. So, you know, if you promote sevens, you'll end up eventually just promoting the greater game of, of rugby too. Um, but even talking about the, the national union. So right now, how would you compare um, I know we talked a lot before about some other countries too, but how would you compare the Brazilian national team with others in, in the continent, um, Uruguay, Chile, Paraguay, uh, Colombia, and Argentina too, but I think a lot of people are already familiar with Argentina for the most part. Yeah, well, uh, Brazil is still behind the Uruguay. I think Uruguay uh, is the second strongest team in, in South America, yeah. and Uruguay has a big advantage that. Basically, Uruguay is really small, and all Uruguayan, almost all Uruguayan rugby is based in Montevideo. So they have a national team that works as a club because they yeah. can train together every day. Uh, they have just one club, one top club outside Montevideo. So yeah. I know that's yeah, that's, they have everything. That's what uh, I know. Colombia does that. Where basically the entire national team is just everyone from Medellin, even though there's plenty yeah. of other clubs outside. It's just a, that's just how it works. Probably because of travel and everything too. Yeah, you you Brazil National Union tried to to do this for São Paulo, but you know mm -hmm. Brazil is very big and states are like in, in USA. There yeah. is rivalry between states. A guy, the guys from from Paraná, from Rio de Janeiro, from Santa Catarina, from Rio Grande do Sul, not would not lot enjoy to see everything based in São Paulo and yeah. stuff. So that's, you see uh, that that's, here. that's difficult. Yeah, yeah you of see course. That. It's a big country with, with many big cities competing with each other in everything, in yeah. every sport. So it's difficult so uh, to put everybody together. But now we have a centralized system. So most of Brazilian national team players are in Sao Paulo. And this helps 
mostly because the best clubs are in São Paulo, but we still have that issue I, I told you, like the best team, the best players from Curitiba, the best players from Santa Catarina uh, are not here. So it's not exactly a national, uh, a national team doesn't work exactly like a club, like in Uruguay. So Uruguay has this advantage. And, but their biggest advantage, advantage is junior rugby. Junior rugby in Uruguay is awesome. They, they are really strong. They, can, they, they managed to beat the Fiji in the in the twenties trophy. So it's a very powerful country. Uh, Uruguay can grow a lot, and they are two hours away by ferry boat from Buenos Aires. Yeah. <laughs> so they just need to cross the river. So <laughs> yeah, and this helps a lot too. Brazil and Chile. Brazil is basically at the same level of Chile, I think. The difference is that Chile has a better junior rugby, but Brazil has a better high-performance program. So that's the difference between those countries. Our goal is to, to, to let Chile behind and try to, to, to reach Uruguay's level until the next World Cup qualifiers, um, which will be really difficult. The major thing in Brazil for the national team to grow, and that's something I personally disagree with the national Brazilian National Union, because I think their focus is too much on the high performance on the national team. Mm-hmm. And I really think we need to for us to to beat Uruguay consistently. We can beat Uruguay once in, in the next years. It is possible, but to beat them consistently, uh, we really need to focus on grassroots grassroots rugby that's the, that's the point and to help uh, the clubs to to have a strong club competitions then they can uh, give uh, have a, a natural obvious uh, platform from clubs to the south american league franchises to the national team we need to create this system nowadays we don't only have the top of the system the base of the system is really poor i know you know uh, I, I was talking to the portuguese friends uh, portuguese rugby is really uh, close to it looks like Uruguayan rugby yeah they have a lot of youth rugby development uh Uruguay's, Portugal is a really strong country in junior rugby and I was talking to him about the number of clubs that have junior teams and and even the money the clubs in Portugal have it's much more than Brazilian clubs even if both are amateur we have we have a, almost a, a, an abyss between the, the union, the national team, and the clubs. That's a, a, a real issue. Uh, I would like to, to see us working more on the structure of the clubs. That's mm-hmm. essential for Brazilian rugby. And I don't know if it, that's the focus of that. I, I think Brazilian rugby union really believes we can reach the World Cup without doing this job properly. They are doing things. They are doing a lot of the development work in terms of courses for coaches for uh, referees and etc they are working but the difference of the of the budget is really really big like five percent of their budget is for development and almost 70 percent is for the national team so come on <laughs> how can we work with that that way oh that that goes back to to what I was saying before is that just youth rugby I I feel like it's the most important for long-term growth, not just because I, I feel like saying that, but because you're going to start with a huge player pool. Um, you know, not only will that eventually whittle down to the best of the best going on to the next level, but if you have a huge player pool, yeah. then you'll have cases where you won't have to travel 800 kilometers 
just to play a game against someone else. So it makes it easier in that sense. It creates more players, more competition, the better players, more divisions, everything like that. It's just sort of common sense, really, for long term. Uh, About Brazilian rugby demographics, uh, we have about 15,000 players, right? Um, The majority of them are senior players because uh, I'm not counting the junior players that play tag rugby. Uh, the the national union counts them, and that's why you can see sometimes numbers like sixty thousand or hundred thousand, yeah. because it's all kids learning tag rugby in schools, but they are not playing contact rugby. Yeah. So contact rugby is something for between twelve and fifteen thousand players, more or less. And even our clubs, uh, I think most of the clubs play very few matches every year. Like uh, I I did the statistics for my website. Uh, we had. Usually, the average number of matches is like 10 of matches a year in 15 sites. There are clubs playing 15, there are clubs playing 20 matches, but most of the clubs are like 10 matches a year, which is very, it's not not good enough. It's really not not good. 10 matches a year, you are are not forming a proper rugby player. You're forming a guy that likes rugby, but plays sometimes is fun. Just the club rugby social, you know. Yeah. your club kind of thing that, that, that that's the problem and so uh, another thing in brazil that really hurts the game is the lack of fields is a soccer maniac nation yeah uh we have a lot of playing fields that could be used for rugby and have grass grass fields but they are mostly monopolized by <laughs> soccer. And, and they usually don't like us to use their fields because we destroy the grass. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not common in Brazil to have uh, artificial grass. Artificial turf is not common in Brazil. I know in USA it's really common, but in Brazil it's not common. Uh, in Brazil, artificial grass is really, really common for seven-a-side soccer. We have a lots of uh, small artificial uh, turfs uh, that are used for uh, for seven-a-side soccer, which is uh, more social soccer, yeah, soccer to play with friends. That's really common. But that this this artificial turfs are not suitable to to rugby usually. They're not with a good quality to for you to wreck <laughs> and stuff. So it's really hard. And yeah. like. São Paulo, for example, São Paulo is by far the city of more rugby clubs in Brazil. Uh, the São Paulo metropolitan area has about 50 clubs, and yeah. most of them are university teams. Most of them are, are really small and only play seven aside. But playing 15 aside rugby, you have about 20 clubs in in São Paulo, Greater São Paulo, São Paulo metropolitan area, and between university teams and and clubs playing 15 aside. And we have three rugby-specific fields, which is not good. Uh, we have one field in the British club, São Paulo, São Paulo Athletic Club, which is the traditional, which recently was the only rugby field in Brazil, yeah. <laughs> built some decades ago. Um, we have the University of São Paulo now has a, a rugby-specific field, we, uh, I have played in, in the University of São Paulo, one of the teams in, in the University of São Paulo. Uh, we have a sports center there with five fields, and we battled a lot and made it at one of the fields 
is now rugby specific field because we have rugby in the university. We need to have one of them for rugby. The others is for soccer, but one is for <laughs> rugby. Yeah. And the other one, you know, in fact, three are for soccer, one for rugby and one for athletics. And well, and there is, and the, the Sao Paulo Rugby Union has a public uh, uh, rugby field uh, that the municipality gave them in a park. And, you know, this, this field is like, a, uh, we have four or five matches in a row in a Saturday, in a Sunday there. And you can imagine how the grass is. So it's not good enough for rugby to rely on three rugby fields. One of them is really busy and really messed up because loads of matches there. So other cities have no more than one rugby field or zero rugby fields and they rely on the soccer fields. So it's very difficult. In Rio, Rio de Janeiro now, uh, the Olympics, where the Olympics were played, uh, that field is not for rugby. Yeah, that's in fact that's an army area, and that belongs to the Brazilian army, and mm-hmm. they are doing other stuff there now. Uh, that stadium was uh, not; it was temporary, not not permanent. And they built one rugby specific field in Rio, uh, inside the the Federal University, uh, as a training area that for the national teams and all the Rio clubs are playing there. But you know. Uh, this year the the field is closed because they 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 don't they they cannot do the maintenance properly, so yeah, it's a mess. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, and I think America has the same the same questions, the same issues because you have other sports that compete for the for your fields. It's difficult for rugby. Uh, you're you're telling me. I mean, I'm New York City is is where I'm based, so it's it's very difficult for field space just because. Um, literally any chance you can there's always about 15 kids with a soccer ball trying to jump on on the side because it's the easiest pickup sport really um in some places um it's very easy to get field space for the most part you know it's it's wide open space so you can just go out and there's grass um but a lot of times you're really especially for the the, the higher performance national team or you know division one club or even colleges you're basically you either have to play turf as we actually saw this past weekend from um, the Seattle Sea Wolves, they played in Major League Rugby. Yeah. They're on a turf field. It's a very nice field, but it was clearly a soccer field with soccer lines on it too. Um, so you get that too. But uh, you know, club division one stuff like that. Some of the higher levels, they have to play on football fields, and they have football lines and everything. So it gets a bit confusing. So you know, sometimes it'd be a bit tough. Yeah, Victor, did you have anything? Any last minute things you wanted to add on for? For Brazilian rugby, you want us Americans to know more about? Oh no, I think I think it's, it was very good to to tell you guys about uh, Brazilian rugby, and well, I think it's it's an important moment for us. We're playing every every year against each other, and well, I want to know a lot about American football, uh, American American rugby, and this is very really fascinating. In fact, that we are making rugby in a continent where rugby was not really popular until recently and you 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 guys have a richer history in, in rugby than brazil mm-hmm. canada usa of course but uh, it's important for us to 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 get this this paths uh, more or less together yeah yeah to, to take the steps together because have a, an awesome competition that i think i really enjoy the america's rugby championship 
I have been to every single match in the stadium uh, since it was created, and I really enjoy to 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 have such a such this kind of of competition. Things things help, like uh, uh, ESPN, for example, in Brazil shows a lot of 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 rugby, and USA, I know they they are showing it too, so it helps us. Uh, I can watch things from USA in 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 Brazil. You, Probably can can watch our our America's Rugby Championship matches, um, at least on the internet. So yeah, uh, it's, it's a bit difficult with uh, everything's behind a paywall on the Rugby Channel, which oh, is okay. it's it's all set up. Everyone who's American is listening; they know this, but it's basically um, the union set up its own website where uh, all the games are, and you have to pay like five dollars a month or eight dollars a month, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just leaving it at that. But it's there are more options now and especially with major league rugby i think that's one thing that we're really excited about with the league is that um there are more options for people to watch it and also they've made it very clear that um they're going to make it so that people can watch it whether it's through cbs sports which is um a major you know channel through through tv um you do have to pay a little bit extra for it but it's usually included in most tv sports packages or espn plus which is over the top yeah, the thing I really wanted to to see, but the Americans, uh, South American competition, South American league will probably happen. So, but it would be really interesting to see some Brazilian, Uruguayan, and Chilean players playing the major league rugby. It would be really a really interesting experience for them. Mm-hmm. Be closer to a uh, to two nations. In fact, I I believe Canada will be soon in the major league rugby too. Yeah. So it would be really interesting for our players to have this experience, and not only. Uh, a playing experience, but the fact that you are in a whole completely professional environment, it, it would be really good for them to, mm-hmm. to develop. Sometimes I see Brazilian national team playing uh, USA and Canada. We struggle in certain areas that playing with you guys would be much better for us to develop. M- many things we, we can, during the America's Rugby Championship next year, we can talk again and, and mm-hmm. analyze the, the games, etc. But our players would benefit a lot from from more experiences with North American players, especially in contact area. Uh, physical, I think USA and Canada players have a, a better physical uh, physical profile than, than than Brazilian rugby players. We could see this this year in the in the Americas Rugby Championship. Uh, certain areas like scrummaging, for example, we suffered a lot against you, and it would be interesting for our players to have. More competitions playing in with your coaches, perhaps to have more more international experience. It would be really mm-hmm. important. Yeah, we're all very excited, and and also on that, we actually have two Chileans in the competition. One um, is actually gonna. I don't think he has played yet, but I think his his goal is to play for the U.S. Sebastian Com. But Nikola Bursic is actually playing for the Chilean national team, and really, the, I think that the only reason he's actually. Um, obviously outside of the actual talent, but the only reason he's able to play in the league is because he was born in California and I think moved back to Chile. So it's um, it's tough to get the South Americans involved, though I, I'd really love to see something like that happening. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Victor, I really appreciate the time. Um, I learned so much more about Brazilian and South American rugby that I didn't think that I would ever know. Um, so really appreciate that. Um Portal del Rugby, I know most of our 
listeners won't be able to to really get engaged with you, but we will share some more information on you in case anyone is interested and wants to pick up some Portuguese words on the in the uh, you know at the same time. But Portado Rugby, um, yeah. You can use a Google Translator. It can maybe can help. <laughs> it does work. Actually, Google Chrome does have a Google uh, Translate. I've had to do that with Spanish. Um, yeah. So it, it is interesting to learn and you know, great way too. So, uh, Victor, obrigado, boa noite. Um, <laughs> obrigado. That's, that's about my Cheers. extent of Portuguese. Thanks again. Um, I hope we have a great night too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening. <laughs>